Good day, and welcome back to Latin 2 from the Church of St. Agnes. I hope you all had a blessed Christmas and a very happy New Year. But now we're ready to dive back into our Latin, and we're going to tackle Chapter 18 today, Unit 18, in the Collins book. Now, Collins, in that chapter, in that unit, on page 146, includes a review of participles. If you will recall a few lessons ago, I chose to go off script from the Collins book and present to you the entire program of Latin participles. We'll hear Collins in this chapter introduces finally the last set of participles, the future, and he puts a review in listing all of them. You already know these, but let's take a look on page 146 to review one more time before we emphasize or concentrate on those two future participles that are in this unit. If you look at the bottom of the page in section 100, he expresses or explains, as I did a few lessons ago, that Latin has four participles. Theoretically, you would have expected six, two for uh, in the present, two in the perfect, and two in the future, uh, one active and one passive. But you will note, once again, that Latin does not have a present passive participle, nor does it have a perfect active participle. Therefore, Latin has four participles, as we uh, taught you um, a few weeks ago. So if you look at Collins's chart there, he uses the verb laudo, laudare, to praise. And you see that in the present, you form the participle by adding ns and the genitive entis. It's a third declension adjective. Laudans, laudantis. In the perfect, there is no active participle. But the fourth principal part of the verb, laudatus aum, acts as the participle or is the participle, having been praised. And in the future, we have two participles, one active, one passive. The future is formed by adding urus aum to the fourth principal part stem, laudat urus, laudaturus aum means about to praise. And in the passive, we add endus aum to the present stem, laudare, laudo, laudare, you drop the re, you have the stem, lauda, and you add endus. So laudandus aum, to be praised, having to be praised or to be praised. You will recall that I used the model verb Ago agere, agi actus, uh, when we taught you these a few weeks ago. And I like to use that verb because of the English derivatives that we get from it. So the present participle of ago would be agens, agentis, an agent, one doing. There is no passive uh, present, but in the perfect, the perfect passive. Actus aum of that verb, we get the word act from it. An act is something having been done. 
and then in the future uh, active, Octurus, actual, actuarial, uh, about to do, and in the passive, agendus, agenda are things to be done. Okay, so here we have a review of the Latin participles. One more time, there are four, two active, two passive, and I see, and you can see their formation there. So we've been dealing with participles quite a bit now in the recent weeks. And if you turn back now to page uh, 144 in unit 18, you will see that Collins there explains the formation of the future active participle and the future passive participle. He talks about inserting the UR between the base and the ending. I just like to say in the future active that we take the fourth principle part, drop the US and add URUS AUM, LAUDATURUS AUM, MONITURUS AUM, DUCTURUS AUM, CAPTURUS AUM, and so on. For the future passive participle, we take the present stem, drop the RE off the infinitive, and add ENDUS AUM. So in the various uh, conjugations, we have LAUDANDUS AUM, Monendus um, ducendus um, and then for the third IO and the fourth conjugations, we have that I that characterizes them, capiendus uh, um, and audiendus um, about to be something, right? So laudandus, uh, about to be praised, going to be praised. Okay, that's the literal translation of that participle. Now, the future participles, both active and passive, uh, form another construction in Latin when they are added to the verb with the, uh, they added by the verb to be. When you add the verb to be to the participle, as a separate word, of course, like a helping verb, we have what are called the periphrastic conjugations. And you can read about those on 145. Now, periphrasis, you know, in English we say, oh, that's periphrasis. Speaking around, literally the Greek means speaking around an issue or going around it in a long sort of way. Um, we call these periphrastic conjugations because they uh, express something in a longer than usual manner in using Latin verbs because we use a participle and what we would call in English a helping verb. So we have the active periphrastic conjugation and that is formed by taking the future active participle, the one that ends in urus a um, and adding a verb to be to it. So for instance, we can say, as you see in the middle of the page there, Laudaturus sum, literally, I am about to praise, or I am going to praise. Laudaturus, about to, going to, in the future, praise, sum, I am. We add the imperfect tense to it, we then put it into the past. I was about to praise, or I was going to praise, I was intending to praise. And if we add one of the, um, Perfect uh, tenses, 
We can add any, uh, we can add the uh, present perfect or the pluperfect as we have here, the pluperfect. Laudaturus fueram, I had been about to praise. You don't see those, uh, those past ones too often. You normally see this uh, active paraphrastic with uh, the verb sum, sometimes eram, the present and the imperfect of the verb to be. Now, note that he says the participle determines only the voice of the compound verb form. The form of sum determines the person, number, tense, and mood. So you can say laudatura sum, I am going to praise. You could say laudaturus s, you are about to praise or going to praise, and so on. Now, the more common construction is the second of these paraphrastic conjugations, which is called the passive paraphrastic. The passive paraphrastic is paraphrastic because it uses the helping verb sum in the participle, but it's passive because it uses the passive participle in the future. It is composed of the future passive participle in the nominative case and sum in the required tense. So we see that we can add uh, audiendus, we can add s to that, and it means literally he is having to be heard or he must be heard. The important thing about the passive paraphrastic is that it shows obligation or necessity. Okay, that's, let me repeat that. The passive paraphrastic most often shows obligation or necessity. So when you see that construction, the perfect, I'm sorry, the future passive participle with a verb to be, that's called the passive paraphrastic, and it shows obligation or necessity. We can translate it most commonly as must or ought to. Take a look at your second example, audienda erit. Notice audienda because it's a feminine here. So that means she as opposed to adiendus, which means he. It would be masculine there. Audienda erit. She will have to be heard or she must be heard. Now, the important thing to remember, uh, one of the important things to remember with the passive paraphrastic, which is a common construction in Latin, much more common than the uh, active paraphrastic or first paraphrastic. The passive paraphrastic uses a dative of agent rather than an ablative of agent. Now, if you turn to page 146, you will see an example of that under section 99. Interestingly enough, in when using most passive verbs in Latin, Think about this now. We uh, we have an agent. So, for instance, we can say a psalm is being sung by the people. And when we have a normal construction like that in Latin, we would put psalm in the nominative, is being sung in the present passive tense, and then by the people. That's the agent by which the psalm is being sung, right? And we call that an ablative of agent. And we normally do that in Latin with a or ab, ab, a, a, with the ablative. So in that case, in that example sense, the psalm is being sung by the people. 
we would say a popolo. Okay. Now, the difference here is with the passive paraphrastic construction, and this is usually the only time, occasionally you'll see it otherwise, but almost always in Latin. When the passive paraphrastic is used, we do not use the ablative of agent with a or ab. We use the dative of agent without a preposition. So take a look at page 146, section 99. He gives you a couple examples there. Psalmus populo cantandus est. Now notice, the subject is psalmus, the psalm. Cantandus est. There is your passive paraphrastic construction. Cantandus is the future passive participle from canto cantare. We add the endus ending on it, and that us ending must agree with the subject psalmus, masculine singular. A psalm cantandus est. Remember that construction, which you've just now learned, the passive paraphrastic, future passive participle plus the verb to be, shows obligation or necessity. The psalm must be sung or chanted or is he translates it uh, literally in the first uh, translation. A psalm is having to be chanted. We would say simply in English, a psalm must be chanted populo, by the people. Notice, no preposition and in the dative case. If this were a normal um, passive verb in the Latin and not the passive paraphrastic, we would expect a populo, by the people. Second example, Paulus regi auriendus erat. Paul is the subject. Auriendus erat is your verb. It's a passive paraphrastic, future passive participle with the verb to be. Paul was having to be heard by the king. We'd say more naturally in English, Paul had to be heard. Paul must be, had, must be heard. Paul had to be heard. Regi by the king. Notice, regi is in the dative, no preposition, because this is the dative of agent and not the ablative of agent. Um, if you turn back uh, on page uh, uh, 145, you see that uh, the active paraphrastic, which is the perfect or the future active participle, plus the verb to be. You don't have to worry about anything about an agent because it's active. Laudaturus sum, I am going to praise. I am about to praise. Laudaturus era, I was about or intending or going to praise. Okay, so this chapter actually is very easy for us um, because in an earlier chapter, we covered extensively the entire participial system in Latin. So just one more time in review, you can see that Collins includes a review in section 100 there on page 146. One more time in review, Latin has four participles, two active, two passive. The present has an active form. There is no passive present. The perfect has no active form, but there is a passive form. And the future as an active and a passive. You form the present 
active by adding ens, entis. It's a third declension adjective. Laudans, laudantis, praising. Or in our sample verb, agens, agentis, doing, acting. In the perfect tense, we go to the fourth principal part, and that is the participle, the perfect passive participle. Laudatus aum, having been praised, or actus aum in our sample, our, our model verb, having been done in act. And then in the future, for the active future, we go to the fourth principal part, drop the U.S. and add urus aum, laudaturus aum, acturus aum, laudaturus aum, about to praise, going to praise. And then in the passive, we go to the, the present stem, laudo, laudare, drop the re, we have lauda, and we add laudandus aum, yes, uh, or agendus aum. Alaudandus, about to be praised, or agenda, agendus aum, about to be done. An agenda or things to be done. Remember when we add the verb to be to these future participles, we have a active paraphrastic conjugation and a passive paraphrastic conjugation. The passive paraphrastic conjugation is more common. Endus aum plus the verb to be. Often, most often shows obligation or necessity, and we can translate it by the verb ought to or must in English. These things must be done, right? Or this has to be done. Okay, so that is uh, basically your lesson. Now, one more point, which I've expressed to you earlier, and let me underline it here again about participles. And uh, Collins explains this in the second paragraph under the review of participles. Participles, when they're used as adjectives, express relative time. That means that anytime you use a present participle, it will be happening, it will be expressing contemporaneous or same time as the main verb is. Whenever you use the perfect passive participle in Latin, that will be expressing time which is prior or before the main verb in the sentence. And you can deduce what's going to happen in the future. Whenever you use a future participle, it is going to express future time or time subsequent to that of the main verb. Okay, so um, that's that's an interesting point. It's one to keep in mind, and we will emphasize that when we practice in our review sentences, which are coming up for your homework. Um, Collins also makes a good point about participles on page 147 at the top. Notice what he says. Latin makes up for the missing participle by inverting the voice or by using a finite verb. For example, the active idea, having seen the apostle, may easily be inverted and expressed thus, apostolo viso, literally, the apostle having been seen. Okay? Or it may be expressed in an adverbial clause by a finite verb introduced by a subordinated conjunction. 
postquam apostolum vidae, after he had seen the apostles. So again, um, these are various ways that Latin can use its language to express the same idea. Uh, we talked about ablatives absolute uh, being circumstantial clauses, which show the, uh, which describe the circumstances under which the main clause functions. Of course, any subordinate clause in any language does the same thing. So there are multiple ways of expressing uh, clausal connections in Latin, and uh, we know several of them now, and not uh, least important is in fact that ablative absolute, which, as you know, tends to use uh, the present participle or the perfect passive participle. Okay, that's, that is your entire unit. Uh, quite easy one, really, and only a, only a small addition to a, of a couple items because you already know the participial system, which I explained a couple units ago. Now, if you take a quick look at your vocabulary, uh, I like to emphasize, as I've done, I think, in every lesson, that Collins lists verbs, and he lists the root verb or the main verb, and then he likes to list under him, under that verb, all of the compounded verbs, <coughs> excuse me, that are related to it. So we see on page 147, we have the verb cada or cedo, cedere, cessi, cessus, to go or to yield. And then we have all of these compounded forms, ad plus cedo, con plus cedo, de plus cedo, and so on. Um, notice uh, that they will be conjugated exactly the same, although they mean slightly different things. So you have what? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, compounded verbs from cedo, cedere, the third conjugation verb. Uh, also, uh, we have the verb tendo down at the bottom, and we have uh, three uh, compounded verbs, extendo, intendo, ostendo. And then we have faccio. Faccio, very important verb. Faccio, of course, means to make. Faccio, facere, feci, factus. Factum is something having been done, a fact, right? But we have compounded verbs where the, the root of vowel changes, we have an ablau change, interficio, perficio, sufficio. So we have interficio, which means to do away with or to kill, perficio, to do thoroughly or completely. That's the word we get perfect from, perfectus. And sufficio, to do sufficiently, to be enough. And then, of course, we get the word sufficient from it. We also have compounds under the verb venio there at the bottom of the page. Pervenio to arrive, subvenio to come upon, and then sometimes meaning to come upon in a helpful manner. And then we have supervenio to come upon or overtake. So take a close look at those uh, vocabulary words, particularly the verbs and the compounded forms of them, because they are quite important. Now, for our homework for this week, let's turn to page 150. And again, let's do uh, the Roman numeral number two there under drills, the paraphrastic conjugations. This will give us some practice 
in that that uses of that future active and future passive participle plus the verb to be the paraphrastic conjugation and then for homework um i've decided this week that we should go back to the even numbered sentences once again the even numbered sentences so two four six eight ten twelve fourteen and so on the even number sentences for unit 18. And if you need more practice, of course, you can do the odd number sentences as well. But I will, in our in our midweek uh, audio recording, we will do the even number uh, for this unit, unit 18. So that really completes our unit. It's, it's a, a brief unit, just a couple new things. Uh, Collins keeps piling on vocabulary, which is good but I know also difficult. Uh, so try to keep an eye on that vocabulary, review it as much as you can, because of course you can't read or speak or write in a language unless you know words and what they mean. So uh, that's my uh, advice for this week. I think that the lesson is pretty straightforward and we will go over our homework, uh, midweek audio that I will post. And um, I think that these paraphrastic conjugations will become very clear. Okay. Thank you very much for your attention. Um, I hope you have a good week. And we'll talk to you again uh, with our homework in a few days. And until then, uh, best wishes and uh, have a great day. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.